Hey you, do you have something to say, something to share? Are your rants too long for social media? Why not create your own podcast? This show, The Louder Vision Podcast, was started as a way for me to learn from people I would otherwise never meet and speak to them about my favorite topic of creativity. I love being able to speak to great guests about whatever I feel like. I then get to share what I'm learning from them with you, and it has increased my confidence a million percent. Anyone can have a podcast on any topic for any reason, trust me. You will have complete creative control of your show. And it does not have to be expensive. I'm going to teach you how. Just go on over to loudavision.com and check out my quick course on how to hone your concept, create, record, and share your very own podcast for under $100. That's right, all the equipment you'll need to create your very own high-quality podcast for under $100 and a step-by-step guide to get you ready to record in your very own home with no expensive studio needed. It's all online, so you learn at your own pace whenever and wherever you like. Again, that's loudavision.com. I look forward to listening to your podcast very soon. All right, welcome to the Louder Vision Podcast for creative people. I'm your host, Laura Mioli, and today we're going to be talking about fear. Our guest today is Brett Salamano. He is a Hollywood stuntman and an author, speaker, and coach. You heard right, he is a stuntman in Hollywood. He gets set on fire, car chases, all that. And he helps people overcome fear. He has worked with thousands of clients around the world, including disadvantaged, incarcerated, and disabled youth. Even adults stuck in a life they don't want and seeking to follow their dreams. So whether you're dealing with a phobia or a lack of belief in yourself, Brett is the man with the plan. So let's jump right into the interview. Hi, Brett. Thanks for being on the podcast. My pleasure, Laura. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So I'm sensing an accent. Where are you from? <laughs> I don't have an accent. You guys have an accent. I, got, I, I have an accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm from Australia. I was born in, uh, in Melbourne, Australia and uh, moved out here almost uh, a couple of years ago now just to follow my dreams of getting into the, uh, the world of stunts and films. You're in Los Angeles? Yeah, right now. Yep. Yep. I've been here for... Uh, yeah, about 18 months, and uh, I'm actually looking to go to Atlanta, Georgia very soon because a uh, big community of film people over there and a lot of feature films that are happening, so I'm just going to always keep exploring and, and find the next steps, yeah. So you travel a lot. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, everyone kind of chooses their lifestyle, and for me, like, travel and exploration and having new ideas put in front of me all the time, mm-hmm. that's something very important to me, so... Yeah, I guess I've always been attracted to jobs that show me different parts of the world. You know, I love meeting new people mm-hmm. and seeing through that new ideas and how people live. And I'm just fascinated by how people live and, and you know, the fears they have or the experiences they have, the, the, the dreams, the desires, all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, I've been, been really blessed to see something like 30 different states in the past couple of years since I've been here. Wow. Um, and most of it getting paid to, to do it as well, just working with a uh, fireworks company and, and truck driving and, and exploring the U.S. through through the eyes of festival goers and uh, also always taking a bit of time off, making sure that I can squeeze a day or two in the city, uh, wherever I might be, whether it's New York or Cleveland or Indiana or Vegas or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, wherever it might be. It's always great to kind of see it through the eyes of locals. I don't like doing touristy stuff. I always like to see a city through the the eyes of locals yeah yeah so do you have any tips for traveling do you travel alone or with someone else yeah I always try and travel alone I think um although it's kind of it's it's kind of nice to get someone to travel with you because then you can reflect through through somebody else and have an experience similar to them Mm -hmm. but at the same time that can cause problems with scheduling or, or you know if you just if you're kind of aligned with them but not really you know I so that's why I kind of try and travel alone because then you can uh, experience it through your own mind and just really see get you know get a pure experience from from yourself and and absorb that as much as you can yeah cool so your first book is called a stuntman's guide to learning anything tell mm-hmm. me what inspired you to write right. the book and what it's about so it's about um the idea that a uh, a stuntman because people often ask me about stuntmen and what they do and it's mm-hmm. like you know, try to explain to a person what they what a stuntman does on a daily basis, and it's kind of 
you know, you don't really show up in the same place. You don't really show up at the same time. You do a lot of different skills. You do a lot of different uh, things. You know, you've one day we might be shooting a gun for an action film. We might be doing a car chase. And it's a whole bunch of different skills that we have to have and draw upon. And to me, that was, it's kind of a metaphor, really, of um, being able to be whatever you can be. You know, and I love that kind of personal development metaphor that I guess I've tried to become. And so the book is about that and about being able to learn anything. Because I think often people go through school and sort of, you know, expect to come out on the other end with one degree, one certificate, yeah. uh, one qualification. And then they're like, cool, you know, now I've got this path built for me, supposedly they're thinking, and I'm going to go through university or college or, or wherever and, and then get a job, you know, and be set for life. And that's, nobody sort of says that, but I think everyone believes it. And yeah. me, I mean, even in the, since I've been here in the US, I think I've had 20 to 30 different companies that I've worked for already. And I don't know how many I've had in Australia, but I think it's, it'd be definitely hundreds in total, you know, and I've got over 30 qualifications. And for me, that really just colors my experience, just being mm -hmm. able to kind of say yes to everything um, and being a bit of an opportunist and really just, uh, you know, if something comes to me, I, I go, do I want to take this right now? Hey, that looks like fun. Let's do that, you know, and I yeah. never have to say, oh, I'll just watch, you know, I can really step into it, whether it's an experience with friends or whether it's a, um, a job, I can always you step into it and take it on. Hmm. So you're not sitting on the sidelines? No, definitely not. Definitely not. And, and that's what the book's about. It's about around about 10 strategies that, mm -hmm. for me, I've always used to, to step into my life. As a stuntman or as a person, there's a chapter on overcoming fear. There's a chapter on reaching out to mentors and a community for advice. Because, you know, as much as it can, it can be good to learn from, you know, in a university, that sort of thing, I've always found communities and mentors to be the best way to learn from people. And soaking up multiple communities and mentors at once. Because... Mm -hmm. When that happens, then you can get conflicting ideas, you know, and at first you might think that's bad, but I always say, especially in my book, and I've always said it in my coaching as well, that you need at least two mentors in the same industry, but with conflicting ideas, because mm -hmm. then you can work out what ideas work for you, you know, and obviously goal setting is very important, so we cover a bit of that, um, and also just working out how to be in flow. Because some people get into the state of thinking, you know, when they're trying to play guitar or mm -hmm. dance or something. But you can't, you can't play, you know, A-grade stuff when you're thinking. It's got to come from within. Um, and so I have a state on flow and being mindful as you, as you practice and also as you perform as well. Let's talk about flow. What, do you, what, do you, what does that mean to you? Because to me it means that we're fully engaged in what we're doing, not distracted, getting through something efficiently. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What, is, what does flow mean to you? <laughs> well, I am, uh, I am an enlightened soul and I have all the answers. But no, in, in all seriousness, I, I don't have the answer to that, just straight mm -hmm. up. Um, and I think the words like flow uh, and mindfulness, they are, they're kind of, it's, it's bizarre, you know. Like I, I've spent a lot of time studying this and studying meditation studying my own workflow and creative flow to get new ideas out. Um, and I don't have the answer, but all I know is that the more you keep asking questions about those sorts of things, the more you keep pointing or shining a spotlight on the, the thing that's quote unquote over there, you know, and that's kind of where it's at for me. I, you know, I run workshops on uh, active meditation mm -hmm. and also on, on workflow and we cover a bit of that in a few of my other workshops as well. And I, yeah, I don't, I don't say, hey, here's the answer. You know, here's yeah. the, the golden rule. Here's what you need to do, you know, to solve all your problems and, 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 and get a million dollars and that kind of thing. Um, all I say basically is let's check this out. Yeah. Let's have this experience and keep exploring it. And, and, we, and then people get something. They get some sort of aha moment or a clarity. And from that, you get this kind of flow. You get this, you get this moment, um, but they're just moments. And you kind of have to capture them and then something happens and then, you're like, oh, what would, that was really good yesterday. I did this thing and I don't know, this, this really cool thing happened. And what was that? So I kind of practice this, uh, this awareness and I teach it in my workshops where people can explore themselves, you know, and they kind of, if you can, the more you can capture these moments, the more you can get into that state of flow mm -hmm. where you're having a fantastic conversation with someone and just everything's going right. Or you're, 
you know, for me, like driving my truck, I've spent so much time driving trucks uh, for stunts. That's the place where I'm one of the most comfortable that I can be, uh, especially when it's at high speed. It's just something that the faster I go, the more comfortable I am, you know. And whether you're on stage or, you know, trying to create or perform or play something, there's, I think you really have to focus on not focusing and just allowing it to flow through. That's where the word flow mm. comes from. You're not thinking, you're not channeling, you're not filtering it. You're just trying to observe it. Yeah. I'm really just sitting sidelines, spectating as it kind of comes through and just going, wow, this is really cool. I don't know where it comes from or anything like that. It, that's, a, that's a far deeper philosophical conversation. But I think it's really important to just notice it and witness it as it comes through, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that answers your question. But no, it that's does. Kind of, that's kind of where, where I'm going with that. So. Yeah. No, I like that you that you say to have multiple mentors and to not just – that as a coach, you don't just want to tell people the answer because you don't know the answer. And I think there's a lot of coaches out there who pretend to know step by step how to become a millionaire or something. And that always like throws me off right away. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is hard for me as a coach, Laura, trying to uh, tell people what I do. And I do have to kind of grab a moment and say, look, this is what I do. You know, I help people overcome their fears or develop mm-hmm. more awareness, emotional intelligence, that kind of thing. But it is very hard because I find the, the problem that people think they have or the want that they have is often not the thing that's getting in the way. You know, wants versus needs. People always spend money on their wants but never on their needs. Mm. And it's very uh, it's very important, I guess, to to be aware of that. Coming back to the awareness again, but... Tell me about your stunts. What is the scariest thing that you've ever done? <laughs> the scariest thing that I've ever done, you know, people want to know about the stunts. They always want to know, what's it like to be a stunt now? What's the, what's the craziest thing you've ever done? What's the, have you ever been hurt? That kind of stuff. It's all, all very common questions. And it's kind of interesting to me because I don't see stunts as like, you know, dangerous or scary because if I'm doing something on a film set that's dangerous or scary, I'm in, I'm in the wrong job you know i'm in the wrong mm. project for today um and and people think that you know to be a stuntman you have to be very risky and willing to push limits and that's kind of true but if you're pushing the limits when you're getting paid to do it, it you're in the wrong you're doing the wrong time it's yeah. just it, it's totally totally backwards well because um, it's all like in a controlled environment right exactly exactly and so people you know look at me and they go you know brett you're so chilled out you know i was expecting to be for you to be more crazy or something like that but really, all we're doing on, on set when we're doing stunts in films or TV, it, it's all magic tricks, you know. Mm. And you, it shouldn't be just something that you just say, oh, all right, you know, I, th- I think I can do this. Um, let, let's see how we go. All right, here we go. Let, let's give it a try. You know, there's no, there's no trying. You've got to be able to do it multiple times and repeat it in case the camera stuffs up or in case someone else messes something up. And in that sense, you know, on set, there's nothing really – um, I mean, there are risks involved, definitely. Sadly, there's been people hurt and even people killed recently doing stunts. Mm. But it's not, it's not risky in that sense. It's not, it's not dangerous. There are, sorry, there are risks, but it's not dangerous. There's two very distinct uh, differences there between the, between the two, you know. There are risks you can manage, but danger is like, is it dangerous or is it not? It's, it's more polar. Um, and so for me, to, to answer your question, I think probably the most dangerous thing that I've done is when, you know, I've been out in the truck or I've been working with new people and I just, I'm, I'm less familiar with the environment, you know? Yeah. Um, like I've done driving, I've been driving trucks through, through mountains, you know, in, in blizzards and electrical storms and, um, you know, even carrying things like explosives. And I've also had, um, you know, been driving through heavy traffic in LA. I mean, that's probably the most dangerous thing I've ever done, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's all these there's all these risks involved, and I always say, you know, there's probably more risk driving to and from work every day because mm-hmm. you're not as aware. You're doing the same thing every day, so you're more complacent, and you're driving with strangers around you who you don't know. You're driving with yeah. people who uh, who you know nothing about, who might be you know convicted felons, who might be on drugs, who might be half asleep. They might be emotional through some breakup or, or yeah. something that they've got going on. They're just not focused, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, you know we don't think about it because we've been driving for five, ten, twenty, thirty years, and we've never had an accident. And then one day we just all these elements come together, and mm-hmm. we the, the mistake happens, the thing happens, and it always happens in a 
in a really big way because we weren't watching for the little signs like the oil leak in the car or the brake mm-hmm. pads running out, that kind of thing. Um, but, I mean, I've got plenty of stories about uh, dangerous things that I've done. Did you have a particular... Well, you answered what is the most dangerous thing you've done, but what is the most scary thing you've done, like where you've uh, had the most fear? <laughs> I've dodged the, dodged the question. <laughs> <laughs> no question dodging on my show. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. I love it. So, for me, like, fear shows up. Um, I, I have a very specific kind of experience of fear, I guess, uh, and that is that fear shows up in two ways. One is it shows up in your thoughts and you, and you have self-doubt or you talk yourself into or out of things based on a uh, fear. Or, and, and particularly, I think fear is a lack of familiarity and fear ties into procrastination quite a bit. I, I explain mm. this in my workshops where they're, they're not the same. They are kind of similar in many ways, but they are different. And, and, and procrastination can be a lack of clarity and fear can also be that as well, where you're seeing something new and you're perceiving it before it happens. Mm-hmm. And this happens particularly when you're overreaching for something. So you're performing outside your capabilities. And I remember a few times when uh, I was driving a double trailer truck and I just started driving and I'm in, I'm in traffic and I'm in a new situation because I'd only just started. And so there's a certain, there's a certain assumption there by the employer because I, I love driving and I love getting paid to practice. I call it multi-resulting when you, um, when you get paid to do something else or when you get multiple results coming back at you. So oh. I was getting paid to practice doing B double driving, double trailers. So vehicles that are like three, um, uh, what's that, like 30, 30 meters or 100 feet long, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I'm driving these B-doubles around in the city. And then all of a sudden, the, uh, the it starts raining really, really heavily. And I'm driving along and I'm like, I don't actually know, you know, what's, what's coming up ahead because there's a blind corner. I realized I was just going way too fast for the conditions. And I, then I tapped the brakes to slow down. But because it was really wet, just all of a sudden, you know, the road became really slick. And I, I got that feeling of that, my heart leaping into my, uh, my chest. Wow. But that fear just came up on me so quick because this, when I pushed the brakes, this tra- there's two, tra- not one trailer, these two trailers started to slide down the road. And I'm looking in the mirrors and these trailers are just creeping out into oncoming traffic. Oh my God. <laughs> and in that, in that moment, again, I'm sort of, expl- this probably happened in like all of three seconds, right? But I'm explaining Yeah, it. no, but not when it's happening. It feels like so much longer. <laughs> and, and I just looked in the mirrors like, I don't know what to do right now because, <laughs> oh, you, you know, you get so much training and you, you have so much practice, but in all those moments, it's, it's very intuitive, you know, and I just, I just looked in the mirrors and I'm just sitting there thinking, what do I do? And I guess, I don't know, there's something about that question that I asked perhaps where I'm asking that question to whoever, whatever, my subconscious, I don't know. But then all I knew to do because there was... Uh, there was traffic in my lane up ahead and I'm, I'm just sliding down this road and I'm just like, okay, all right. So I just pulled this truck into oncoming traffic because that's where my trailers were going to pull me anyway. Mm-hmm. And I had an extra, might've been a hundred feet to, to slow down. I overtook the cars. So I would have definitely ran up their back just sliding with this, with this truck and basically pulled up right before the intersection where this, where this traffic was going through. So wow. everyone's looking at me like, you know, what are you doing? Like, they just had this look of <laughs> on their face, and I'm just like, hey, you know, I'm the new guy. <laughs> Newbie. <laughs> I'm the newbie here driving the double trailer truck. But uh, that's definitely the exception to the rule, you know. And I, uh, I use that as an example of, you know, mistakes happen when you're on your edge and you don't know you're on your edge. Um, people mm-hmm. have a kind of a fear, uh, an attitude of fear that's rather polar. You're either okay or all of a sudden you're in fear. And I try and explore my own edges so i'm aware of the multiple steps approaching uh fear where things might get out of control or become really really risky without you knowing it yeah yeah because fear can be it can freeze us sometimes like where we're not able to react in the right way right and and that had its benefits back in the day you know when we were uh you know the caveman days or primates perhaps that kind of thing where the, the freezing did certain responses in the body the body or you know the, the adrenaline kick happened happened and we we don't think but we're just responding out of a, the reptilian kind of brain you know and we explode out and that's when uh, a violence and an attack kind of comes from you know it just it just explodes out of us but that's not 
the flow state definitely. So we don't, we're not rational when that happens. Um, and so it is very important to be aware going into that so that you don't have those triggers happen. Yeah. Pushing, pushing towards your edge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think everyone has different triggers or it's kind of like a formula? Totally. I mean, everyone has, yeah, everyone depends how you grow up and uh, just moving to, um, the U S and exploring people over here and even different parts of the country. And I've been to quite a few, uh, Asian countries and, and a few other third world countries, and they all treat uh, they all they all treat fear different, very differently because they have different um, values, you know. And values we're we're taught from a very young age with family, you know, do this, don't do that. We're taught, you know, always cross the road at the crossing, but we're not really taught why. And it's kind of through those kind of actions we're taught that we have to follow authority or whatever it might be. We have to always stand by our family's side. So we start getting fear when we don't uh, follow the directions of our family mm-hmm. and we don't do what the family says. But that's not the same for everyone. That's just a small portion of society. And so I definitely think that fear is very different for, for everyone based on the, the values that you have growing up, the actions that you took as a child and, and the positive or negative experiences you have. Um, but fear can definitely be overcome. Um, and fear is very similar for a lot of people. And it's about mindfulness it's about awareness and it's about being able to capture your thoughts and rationalize them talk to yourself and when, when it talks back again you have a language and you have a, a solution for the problem that, that your mind can often present cool we're going to talk more about fear when we come back um, we're going to take a quick break do you need help building your online presence maybe you need a high quality video graphic design help with a podcast or tutoring to do some of these things on your own Well, that's what I'm here for. I'm an Emmy award-winning multimedia producer with 10 years of experience. So instead of trying to figure this all out on your own, work with me. Just think, you could be sleeping, working, or living your life. Meanwhile, your ideal audience will find you. Loudovision Productions creates unforgettable images and videos that are customized to bring your target client to you. So we provide modern, high-end digital media to make you stand out. Just go to loudovision.com to see examples of my work and tell me how I can help you solve your marketing problems. All right, let's jump right back into our interview with Brett Salamano. All right, we're back. So you have a new course coming out and I'm really excited that I'm going to be a part of it, but I'll let you tell everybody about your course. Yeah, so it's a program called Momentum Mastery. And the idea with that is we all have these goals that we want to achieve. We all have these uh, things that we're not doing, you know, especially as freelancers and creatives, artists and performers. There's always these other intangible goals that we want. It's not laid out for us. You know, life is never laid out for, for creative types, uh, for better or worse. We're, we're always a glutton for punishment in that way. Mm-hmm. But because of the lack of tangibility and lack of structure, we often get stuck uh, procrastinating and planning and, and in, a, in a sense, protecting ourselves from our own success because we think that, if I just keep planning, everything will be fine. But what I've found is you definitely need to create momentum um, to keep working towards your goals. You've got to have little wins every day. Mm. And often that means that you need to overcome little fears. You need to reach out to people. You need to complete things. Maybe it's 80% complete. You don't have to perfect it, but you just have to get it out there. And, and that's a fear for many people. That's a perfectionism that often creative types have. So I, I'm running this 28-day program where we overcome 28 fears or achieve 28 little wins in, uh, in 28 days. And it's an online course. You can do it from anywhere in the world with the idea that there's an accountability group. Everyone's there doing the same thing. And everyone's going to have little wins to support each other and also validate, validate each other's successes and, and give each other feedback if people get stuck. The idea with the, the collective mind, I mean, fear loves isolation. So when you're in a group, mm-hmm. Seeing each other's successes and seeing each other's failures can really motivate you and keep the group together. We're going to do this uh, online accountability group, basically. And every day there's going to be a little lesson. Again, there's no, there's no big content here. There's nothing big about it. It's just little bite-sized chunks. And you can take it at your own pace. And I'm looking for people right now to, to join us because, again, the more people we have, the more, the more it sticks together. You know, this, this kind of glue of momentum comes together for mm-hmm. us the idea that we can by the end of it we can achieve the the more larger medium-term goal we want to achieve perhaps in a much shorter space of time as well Uh, so you break it into smaller chunks that people can achieve 
Right, right. Yeah. So if at the end of it, if you wanted to have completed your performance or sold your script or finished writing your book or whatever it might be, you can break it down into short chunks. And often there might be uh, challenges in there that I'm going to give to you that you didn't know that you needed to achieve to break through. So there's, mm-hmm. there's these kind of random side missions. And I won't give it too much away because yeah. um, people, people then think and they go, oh, yeah, that's not for me. Or, oh, yeah, that sounds like it's really for me. But it's, it's never that way. If you're thinking about it now, then your mind is already doing the wrong thing. You know, to actually mm-hmm. get in the experience that's when the magic happens. So we, we're going to do a lot of little, what I call side missions that are apparently unrelated at first mm-hmm. to you achieving this thing, but it all develops your awareness and your language for yourself to overcome these, uh, these larger goals, you know, and, mm-hmm. and sometimes the journey of success is not a straight line. It's often left and right and jagged and up and down over the yeah. mountain. So that's the plan. Yeah. And we're that's doing great. that, um, yeah, middle of October, but, uh, I plan to run a, a second one, but would love to have people along for sure. Yeah. I like what you said about the path to success, not being straight. And you, mm-hmm. when we were emailing, you sent me some information that I'd like to read. You said all of these things have given me clarity on who I am and empowered me in my value as a freelancer, developing certainty or value systems and communication skills, but only by stepping out of my comfort zone to find out what doesn't work and who I'm not. So mm-hmm. I really love Absolutely. that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's something I've always, always found, you know, that we've got this comfort zone and it, it can be drawn as a circle on a map uh, or a circle on a piece of paper and you're in the middle, you know, and you've got this, then you've got this circle or bubble around you and people often don't even approach the edge of that bubble and mm. they, you know, just go about their nine to five, they have their hobby, they have their partner and they do those three things, you know, maybe some friends or something like that. And if they're really, really on the edge, then they have a little side business too, you know, and, and the, the bubble's kind of there. But if you don't hit the edges of your bubble all the time, your comfort zone, it's going to eventually contract on you. You know, and I see a lot of, a lot of people that aren't even very old yet, but they're just, their comfort zone is very small. You know, their bubble is very small. And I, I try and approach the edge of my comfort zone every day, you know, finding different things. If people's got a challenge for me, I'm the, I'm the kid that never grew up that, that still loves to take a dare, you know? Yeah. And I think it's very important to keep that. Uh, as an adult, obviously change your attitude towards it a little bit and be more mindful and, and aware about it. But people need to be pushing the edge of their comfort zone every day. Um, I, I know a lot of older people, people that, you know, quote unquote, should have retired years ago, mm-hmm. but they're still working. Um, or they're, you know, completing their 10th marathon and they're well over 50, you know, or com- completing these competitions and just finding new things to to do and new challenges to seek. And I just, I just love those people. You know, I love hanging out with them because I think their attitude life is just so amazing they have a, a definite glow about them um and i don't know what that glow is but to mm-hmm. me it's just it's just a magical thing that comes from being on the edge of your comfort zone and, and being confident and pushing your limits yeah and a lot of times we're asked to look within, within and find out what we want who we are all those really deep questions um because we want to get to this this level of being our best self right so sometimes when I do this though, and I start thinking, I come up with nothing and I realize like I have less control over what happens than I think (laughs) or that I would like to have. Right. Did you ever, Laura, did you ever, um, as a, you know, teenager or young adult, you know, you get to like 18, that magical age where you think you become an adult and then you realize that your parents and teachers actually have as as little idea as you and they have no idea what they're doing as well and we're all faking it Did you ever yeah sort of have that i think way? that was at like 16 probably <laughs> right <laughs> and, and that's that's a perfect example to me it's like nobody's got any idea of what's going on um in, in life and we're all just we're trying to reach for this magical yeah i've yeah. made it now you know but but it, it, we've never made it and we're always making it i guess yeah yeah but it's important that you say to find out what you don't like because mm-hmm. I feel like that is something that is more tangible that we, we can say, okay, I've had this experience and I didn't like it. Like when you're actually mindful of how you feel in a situation. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think it's, it's just so important to know, to have those experiences where you're like, yeah, that's not for me, you know, but at the same time, not just to say no, mm-hmm. but to acknowledge why not. 
because then you might be able to, if you just say no, then in your mind, this little experience or this label, that's, that's now shut off for, for years to come mm. if you just have a no next to it in your mind. But if you go, yeah, yeah, that's something for when I have more money or that's something for when I'm not working as hard on my business or that's something for when I have kids or don't have kids or whatever it might be. And it's very important to, to, name, to, to know that, to name it and claim it and to know why not. I think that's equally as important. Yeah. And do you think it's something about being fearful of the unknown or if it's more like, I know I wouldn't be good at this, so I'm not going to do it? I think it's a bit of both. Mm -hmm. uh, I think people reach into the future with perception. Uh, mm -hmm. too, often, too often it's a skill that we have as human beings that I think no other animal has where we can perceive something into the future. And I think that gets us stuck. Uh, we often, you know, go, oh, that's what I want. And we just, we grab onto the thought uh, or the vision or the action too early and we don't step into it. We don't just even sit there and go, actually, I'm just going to sit with this thought a little bit longer. Yeah. Or when we do, it's because we want to plan, 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 and then we never take action. So I think our mind often trips us up and school for better or worse, doesn't teach us uh, how to reach into what I call our not past or step into our not past, meaning we can always do things from our past, mm -hmm. which is you know showing up in the same way every day. But what would it look like to show up and step into something that you haven't done before, something that's not from your past? Mm -hmm. We're never taught that habit. We're never, we're never, we're, we never practice that. Um, unless you're like people like me or, or the clients that I, uh, the clients that I work with, it's, to me, I always try and push them into something. What, I, I never push them, but I say, what if? Yeah. What's the, what's, what's the next step? What else, what else could it be? What's the other solution that you're not thinking of? There's a whole lot of solutions here, and there's some very good ones, but what else can we do? So in finding solutions, I think for me it's important that I think about what are the small parts of what I'm doing that I like that I can use that in a different way. So before I started the podcast, I was a video producer. Well, I am a video producer still. But what I really <laughs> love about video producing is when I get to interview people. So I said, I really like interviewing people. It takes a really long time to edit a video, but I want to interview more people and more often. So let me try a podcast. But for me at the time, I was never in front of the camera, never a host. I always thought like, it's like you said, like, I had shut that off. I was like, I'm never going to be on camera. Like, I don't want to <laughs> be that person, you know? And it took me saying, let me try this to actually get to the point where now I'm actually hosting a podcast and I'm very comfortable with it. But if I had never stepped beyond that kind of limitation that I put it, put forward for myself, I would never have this podcast and I would never be trying new things. Right, exactly. And I think it's very important to always test those labels, Laura, because... As you say, that there was a, a value in you setting that limitation or that label for yourself, but then mm -hmm. that label becomes a limitation, you know. And I, I got a very similar experience myself where I did st stunts in Australia for several years, mm -hmm. and then I just kind of, I just kind of got bored of running the same training and doing the same thing. And it's a very small community over there, uh, and I was just basically spinning the wheel. And I'm like, I'm kind of done. I'm kind of done with stunts, I think. So I, I put it on the back, the back burner for a bit or even, even told myself that I was done, you know. And then I went out and wrote my book because I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to try teaching. I think I'm going to try that for a bit. Mm -hmm. And so I went out and started running workshops and I wrote my book and I worked with a whole lot of kids, disadvantaged youth. And, uh, and, and that was very colorful and creative for me, you know, because kids, you can't predict those. So I'm yeah. still trying to be on my edge and, and not plan, you know. I'm still wanting to have these new random experiences. But then... You know, I got my green card came through and I felt like the universe was saying, come on, Brett, time to get back into stunts now. And here I am <laughs> in Hollywood because of this, this visa that I got. It was basically the opportunity was forced upon me, which I set up years ago. And finally, it's come. And, and you know, I'm doing this thing that doesn't seem related, you know, teaching and stunts. Yeah. But then I finally woke up to the relationship one day, which is helping people overcome their fears. You know, and now it makes total, total sense yeah. in hindsight. Of yeah. And kids... I try to plan as much as possible because I teach kids video production a lot. And I often have to just throw that preparation <laughs> out the window. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, I think of rather than having lesson plans when I teach kids, I, I try and have tools, you know, uh -huh. and then you can just always 
can always pull out the right tool. Uh, that that's kind of in theory that works anyway. But uh, <laughs> often, as you know, you're just flying on the seat of your pants. Yeah. With, even with kids. Talking about the, the most risky thing I've done sometimes is working with kids. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. It really, really is. Um, and there's something about it because teaching is new for me. It's probably new for everyone. I mean, it it just feels like it's such a volatile type of thing to do. Like it's always different. It's always new. Every new student is a new challenge. Um, mm-hmm. I just sometimes feel like I don't know if I'm good at it yet or if mm-hmm. I will be good at it. And so I that's like a fear of mine that I'm trying to like get past is like, am I uncomfortable with this because it's hard or because I don't like doing it? <laughs> I, I, yeah, and teaching so intangible, you know, like how do you measure the the weight that you have or the effect that you have on, on somebody's life? Yeah. You know? And, and I've, it always blows my mind when I'm teaching kids or even adults and you, you, you think, I'm not getting through to them. You know, this is what we're trying to do. And, and nothing's changing. You're about to just give up hope. And then all of a sudden, you just, they're just like, yeah, man, I got this. You know, yeah. this is what you've been teaching. This is what you've been teaching me for the for the last six months. You're like, oh, so you have been listening to me. Okay, interesting. <laughs> and it's, just, it's always different. It's always different. Um, yeah. And kids are great. You know, they always they're always flying on their seat of the pants like a like a true stuntman does. And uh, yeah, they, they, I think we have a lot to learn from kids as adults. Um, you know, teachers. The, the teacher is often the, the child, or the the leader is often the child, and they're always great mentors to me about for creativity and for trying new things and just giving it a go because kids just have this they didn't they don't have a filter they haven't got the filters and the structure that, yeah. that adults have um and i think we have a lot to learn from kids yeah we really do um so i want to talk about freelancing mm-hmm. you're a freelancer mm-hmm. right you're in los angeles yeah and freelancer I, I mean, That's I don't scary. Really, yeah, yeah. I sort of think about that that word. I'm like, am I a freelancer? Like, I guess I guess I am because I, I I had a part-time job back in 2015 that was teaching kids. We were, we were doing gymnastics and parkour and boxing and, wow. and rock climbing, um, teaching these kids, and that was the last time that I'd had any sort of job that it's like, yeah, I know where I'm going to be in two weeks' time. Yeah. Um, and apart from that, the, the previous one to that, I had a scheduled roster doing bus driving once. Previous to that, I had a, like, back when I was a child or a teenager, sorry, I was, I had one job that was working in a supermarket where I had a roster. Apart from that, I've worked for, I don't know, hundreds of companies um, doing everything from fireworks to, to stunts to teaching to mm-hmm. writing to coaching. Um, to rigging, working in festivals. I, yeah. I don't know. Some days, some some weeks, I remember I, I, it happened once where I'm like, seven days and seven jobs in seven days, like seven different <laughs> distinct roles. And I'm like, I've done it now, you know? Yeah. Um, and in LA, it's it's really cool because there's 18 million people here, um, which you just, you can't comprehend that unless you're from New York, in which case you've got like 22 million or something like 18 million, that's nothing. But... Uh, <laughs> The, the 18 million people, they're so spread out and there's so many different pockets of people and energy and different types of work. Uh, it's not one city, it's, it's maybe 50 different cities and very distinct personalities. You know? So there's all these different opportunities for work, um, which can be overwhelming for a lot of people, um, especially if you live in one place and you to try and find work and travel yeah. across the, the city. You know, peak hour, I mean, <laughs> traffic in LA is crazy, but... For me, it's kind of, it's been a really good way to test, I guess, everything I've learned back in Melbourne about hustling mm-hmm. because LA and like Americans, even in dif- especially are different to the way they sell themselves and the way they hustle. And it's been a real challenge for me to, to approach work in a, with a different mindset and how you go about selling yourself. And just, you know, we all speak English, but yeah. at the same time, there are so many subtle differences that. I can't even just comment on that. You just trip up. You're just like, oh, I didn't didn't know this until it gets sort of shown to you. So just little things of etiquette, yeah. um, and that's that's been a really good challenge for me to just keep keep hustling um, and uh, to build the habit of hustling. One of the challenges I'm actually doing with myself now is to sell something to someone or offer a solution to someone because selling, as much as it sounds sort of selfish, you're always offering it, offering something as well, a piece of value to someone. So I'm I'm trying to offer something to someone. 
uh, every day for, for 30 days right now just to maintain that habit. Um, even though I might think that I have a full-time job, mm-hmm. or sorry, full-time work, not necessarily a full-time job, but I have my workload full up of you know 50 hours a week, whatever it might be, I still want to maintain that habit and keep my clients uh, connected to me and, and keep reaching out for the next job because you never know when, as a freelancer, that job or even your best client might fall through and you mm-hmm. can't offer them the thing that that they want to get from you and it's just the timings don't match up or they cancel something or they don't have they can't pay you on time yeah and it's you always got to be thinking on the edge of your seat a bit like you know a bit like james bond i love james bond as a stuntman <laughs> uh, he's, he's just got skills for everything right you, and as a freelancer i believe you have to be a bit like james bond you have yeah. to you pull out the hustle so you, you just you've just woken up and you're going out to the letterbox to check the mail or something you're like you've just woken up and there's a guy there with his dog and you strike up a conversation and you haven't got your business cards because you're in your underwear or something like mm-hmm. that and like oh hey i might you, you sound like a cool guy i might have something for you and you're just like oh, oh quick what do i do and you have to be on your on your game <laughs> um and uh, I, I don't go to my letterbox in my underwear I, i'm living out of a van right now i've been traveling so much so um yeah so so take that image out of your head yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, it's it's always it's always good as I keep saying, you know, to be on the edge of your comfort zone. I think freelancers I always admire as well because you gotta keep clients happy. You gotta keep selling and delivering and following up. And there's three di- very different brains that we use for those. Mm-hmm. And to be able to switch switch them on and off any given time, you know, during the day, that, that's that's really awesome to be able to do that. Just they're very different styles of thinking and communicating. Yeah, and how do you balance all of these multiple careers and passions that you have? Well, for me, coming back to the teaching and the uh, and the stunts and how I said before that they're so different yet so similar, uh, I, I've come to realize now that you know everything everything it really is the same. You can connect the dots with with anything. And I maybe not now because I'm out of practice, but back in high school, I was playing five different musical instruments, and you sort of think, well, five different instruments wow. like. It takes you years to learn each one, Brett, and I, I, that, that is true, and I'm not saying I was the best or world class, but you know, bass guitar and guitar are actually very similar yeah. in the notes they have on the frets, and even when you're singing, you still use the same 12 notes, including the, the, the sharps and flats. Mm-hmm. You know? So every, like, singing still uses the same techniques that guitar and uh, bass use and uh, drums. I mean, the, the tempo and, and rhythm, they're all, all very similar to rhythm guitar. And so I use that kind of metaphor to remind myself that whether I'm doing stunts or writing or whatever, especially with me, with this, with my uh, business, A Stuntman's Guide, where I'm teaching people how to overcome fears, uh, a lot of ideas of me climbing up or having an accident or nearly having a near miss and, you know, not following my own systems. You know, on, on the one side when I'm doing stunts, it's it's called safety systems but on the other side where i'm talking about personal development it's self-discipline mm. you know and i think there's a lot of overlap there for me but you just have to be able to see it so coming back to your question um when i'm juggling multiple jobs to me as much as i'm using different parts of my brain i'm also saving things and i, I never switch all parts of my brain off um so when i'm when i'm out on the job and i might be climbing a tower for a festival or setting up some fireworks or on a film set I'm always kind of like the, the teacher's just sitting in the back of the back of my brain there, just, mm. just watching the next little opportunity to grab that nugget of information and quickly stick it into my Evernote on my phone. And I think as a freelance, you have to have that same thing. Like, don't ever switch off the salesman part of yourself inside, because you always want to have the salesman just watching there, ready for an opportunity for the next client to, to be able to say to someone, "Hey, actually, I might be able to help you with that," you know, or I know someone, and strike up a conversation, strike up a connection, and, mm-hmm. and make that that connection with someone um, or even when you're trying to deliver. Yeah. Yeah. Or even when you're trying to deliver um, and you have the, or sorry, when you're trying to just clear your head or whatever, you know, maybe there's that quick moment to, you know, when you're on the train or, or in traffic or something, you, you can pull your phone out and, and just complete like a quick email or send a task off or write something down. Obviously the trick is, you know, don't be so, ADHD, and I love that I say that with love and respect because I, I am a little bit myself. Um, don't be so hyperactive in your thoughts and your mind that you can't control it and you can't switch off the monkeys in your mind, but you can actually tame them and you, and you can actually draw on them and lead them out. So you can become the salesman, you can become the, 
the delivery person to deliver the product. But you never switch them all off. They're always there. It's just one has the mic more than the other. Yeah. And so give us some advice, something simple we can do to overcome a fear. Certainly. So I'll give you two tools that I use. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I talk about this in my book, A Stuntman's Guide to Learning Anything. But I'll give you the summary now. And that is that there's really two ways to overcome fears. You can't just sit on the sidelines and overcome your fears. You have to actually get in there and do it at some point. And there's two ways to do that. One is the, the edging method where you slowly approach it and you take a little step, much like what we would do in, in my program where we break it down uh, into small chunks and small steps and you watch it and you observe yourself and you take a little step and you go, oh, that's interesting. What happened there? And you step forward again and then you step forward again and you observe and you just keep experiencing it very slowly. Um, so that first uh, process or methodology is called edging and the second one is called jumping. And... Mm -hmm. The reason why you need two is because you can't edge out of a plane to parachute. You can't say, okay, I'm just going to fall five meters out of a plane. I'm going to stop and catch my breath halfway down and I'm going to fall <laughs> the next, you know, I'm going to fall the next five meters or, or 50 feet or whatever. Now I'm going to stop and catch my breath and just check this thing. You can't do that. You just have to jump out of a plane, right? Um, so often when there is low risk uh, and when there is an opportunity to have a high reward, but a very low risk, such as maybe, maybe it's going on a date. Again, you can't kind of half date someone or you can't yeah. go on a date with someone and stop after five minutes and take a break and ask for feedback. You just have to go on a date. And at the end of the day, if this partner is meant to be with you or not, then, then great. But if you have one date and learn something and, and that's all it is, you have a great experience, that's, that's all it needs to be. And there'll be, there's plenty of fish in the sea, as they say. So you can afford to take that step, take that leap, take that risk and just jump in and do it. Hmm. And a lot of it's in our head. I mean, all of it, right? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely real world risks involved, mm -hmm. um, especially when it comes to doing something where you might lose money or you might uh, disrespect someone and lose their friendship or their mm -hmm. connection um, or, or doing stunts, you know, you potentially lose your life. But at the same time, I think that you need to be able to systemize and watch your, your mindset and, and the voices that kick up. And, and the fears. And the, one of the strategies that I offer for that in, in my coaching and my training is the ability to question yourself. So when a, ration, a, when a thought comes up to check if it's rational or not, you can start questioning it. You say, do I know this to be true? Mm -hmm. Or how did I overcome this last time? How has somebody else overcome this before? And you can start questioning it. And especially when it comes to reality, like, is this really true? Is this definitely going to happen? Yeah. Then you can start being much more aware of it and taking care of things, especially with things that might or might not happen. Um, and if they might happen, and there's a trigger for that thing to happen, such as falling off a, off a roof, then you take your harness up. If you're working and doing stunts on a roof, mm -hmm. you take your harness up. You can clip in. So if you do fall, you're only going to fall to the, you know, the, the 10 feet or whatever your, your rope might be. Um, and you have a backup plan. You have a system for that. So there's always uh, triggers or systems to counteract the the risk or the trigger that might happen in a bad way. Very cool. And so for your course, does someone need to come in? I'm asking for me mostly. Do I need to come in having a goal in mind or are you kind of helping to push me in the right direction? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to push you in every direction, Laura. Um, oh. And we're going to find out what doesn't work and what does work. But yeah, it, it can be good to say, Hey, look, I want to get some clarity on, you know, I, I want to be able to. I want to get be, be clear on what I'm trying to sell as a freelancer. Or I want to be clear on um, my my identity as a performer or an artist, so that I can, you know, produce better products. That kind of thing. I think that's where it starts. Mm -hmm. But as I say, that's also just the uh, the BS, the belief systems that we have, just to stop us from getting to the real nuts and bolts underneath. So it's very important to uh, bring something and to start with that. But doesn't mean that it won't change. Yeah. And doesn't mean end up in a totally different place but bring something bring a goal bring an idea bring a problem um, bring a limitation or a fear that you have and I guarantee that the results will just blow your mind because we're dealing with the intangible and unlimited depths of the mind here and just we go to amazing places awesome I'm looking forward to it excellent me too okay so tell everyone out there how they can connect with you perfect so the easiest way to connect with me is via a stuntmansguide.com. 
Mm-hmm. That's a stuntmansguide.com, A-S-T-U-N-T-M-A-N-S-G-U-I-D-E.com. And they've, I've got resources on there to, to check out, and you can just go straight to the uh, contact page, um, and you can just email me. There's also, a uh, if you want to read more about the products, there is a, uh, a products page there under coaching, and you'll be able to find my Momentum Mastery course. And I've got a discount coupon for you guys as well, so if you do reach out to me first, you email me and say, Hey, I heard you on uh, Laura's Louder Vision podcast and really liked your stuff. I'd love to come down. I'll send you guys a discount before you sign up as well. Well, thank you, Brad. I'm very excited. My pleasure. Thanks again for having me, Laura. Yeah, it's, it was it's nice always talking good. to you. Yeah, yeah always, always good to talk about uh, fears. You know, I, I do love that. Um, I like dealing with you in general, and I really appreciate the opportunity to share. So thanks again for having me. Yeah. All right. Thanks again, Brett. I'll put all those links in the episode description on loudervision.com. Just click on the podcast tab and I'll be updating you guys soon on my progress and my review of Brett's course momentum mastery. So keep an eye out on my website, loudervision.com and subscribe to my newsletter so you don't miss it. Thanks everyone for listening. I'm filmmaker, artist, and your host, Laura Mioli. You can connect with me getting creative tips and inspiration on social media. That's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Loudavision. And you can listen to more of these podcasts, read my blog, watch my videos, and contact me. Just go to loudavision.com. If you like what you heard, please rate and review this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss all new episodes. But don't go away just yet. Since you like podcasts, here are some friends of the show who you would love. Hey, everyone. I'm Courtney Hinton of Verve House Collective, and you should join me over on the Get Verved podcast. On the Get Verved podcast, we discuss creativity, how to fit creativity into your busy life and leading a life or business with intention. I often have other guests on the show to talk about these things with me as we get to the bottom of this whole living your passion thing. The Get Verved podcast is part of Verve House Collective, and I cannot wait to sit down with you in the digital coffee house. <laughs> Hi, I'm Internet Steve Sterling Watson, benevolent founder of the Indube Network and host of the Indube Podcast, a bi-weekly program as blurdy and eclectic as I am, with topics ranging from music, film, history, culture, time travel, marshmallows, religion, and the brilliance of J.J. Abrams. Search and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Podbean, and wherever podcasts are procured. Also, please support the Indube Network on Patreon. The podcast and this ad is a 3SFX production.